Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear there, all black and brown and covered in hair. everyone, I'm Guile, and today I'm joined by Devin. Hey, this is Devin, GD Harpo on Twitter. And Lot. Hi, I'm Lot. <laughs> it was just so <laughs> abrupt. Um, today we're going to be discussing Danny's second chapter in A Clash of Kings, which is why I'm here. Um, <laughs> my personal tradition to do the Danny chapter. So... Uh, we start this chapter with Danny and her her remaining Kalisar heading into Karth, which um, Pyat Pri, the blue-lipped warlock, tells her it's the greatest city that ever was or ever will be. And, you know, it does sound like it's pretty awesome. Like, it has three walls, each more grand than the last. And the closest wall sounds like it's gold with a bunch of pornographic images all over Black it. Black marble um, with so porno. Got- and <laughs> It's really over the yeah. top. It's ridiculous. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, the whole thing is, you know, there's all of these beautiful fountains everywhere and everyone's wearing, um, there's a lot of color and, you know, she's obviously coming from the red waste where, you know, you know, the red waste and like that kind of horrific thing. So it's like very much like, oh my gosh, look at this color, look at this prosperity and, you know, water and just it's very beautiful. It's almost like when uh, Dorothy lands in Oz and like, it feels like that technicolor has come to life from where she's she's been out of. Yeah. I want to go back to the walls. If we can just real, real quick before we move on. Cause like these walls are interesting as they're each made from different material. They each have engravings of of different things like the outer wall. I don't know. It was like animals and things. And then the second wall was violence. It was a granite wall that depicted scenes of warfare basically. Oh yeah, and, and the inner wall is black marble, not and, gold. Sorry. And then the yeah, the last wall is that black marble that's like got porno all over it, <laughs> or, or like ludity. And it's just it's just really maybe and like Danny's response to it is like the violent wall, no problem, whatever. That's okay to look at. But the other wall with it's like very pornographic. She gets really embarrassed by, it. and she's like, how how ridiculous is this that this is what is offending me when I just looked at all this like you know, violence being depicted. And it reminded me so much of like American sensibilities on censorship. Yeah. Like my dad, mm-hmm. exactly. my dad, he's like uh, American. Like he, he was born in the States and like growing up, like anytime there would be like a movie on, like I could watch any kind of violence imaginable. Like I was watching Hellraiser when I was four years old, but if a set, of, if a set of tits came on screen, cover your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> this is what this reminded me of. It's very American. Her reaction. Um, we find so we find that the people are lining the streets to watch her, and the dragons come in, and they're tall and pale, and they um, apparently the the Dothraki called them the milkmen for their paleness, um, which I just think of like, oh, maybe the milkmen's your father joke. Um, and you know, she, she talks about how she feels shabby and barbaric and there's this point, this one line really kind of, I don't know. I just want to talk about it a little bit. 
Um, you know, she says she glanced at her blood riders, their dark almond shaped eyes, giving no hint of their thoughts. Is it only the plunder they see? She wondered how savage we must seem to these Carthine. And uh, it was tall, slender, white people. (laughs) Like it's like really was on the nose, the racial distinction in this scene. Like it just, it was. And we've talked about this ad nauseum in Danny's chapters, but it's again, like this um, lack of humanizing of the Dothraki. Like they're literally, you know, George writes them as this like savage horde. Like, I wonder what they're thinking. Well, maybe you could ask, or maybe like (laughs) you could have a conversation (laughs) with anyone any Dothraki character about this. And, you know, it would have like, wow, we were, you know, we were idiots to think we were going to con- like, this would have been really hard to conquer. Like, holy shit. Hey, how does that work? I might be a Dothraki, but I've actually always been interested in how things work. You know, like there's just so, yeah, there's so many opportunities to actually create them as human beings. And it's just like another instance where they're not. And it, I think it's useful to point out examples because we talk about this a lot and, you know, think people can I know people can get sick of it whatever but I think it's really useful to like show these examples of what actually we mean and how easy it hopefully will be in the book that he's not writing to create more more Dothraki characters that more are more characters and not caricatures yeah. yeah yeah perfectly said yeah so um you know Piat Pree's giving them this little tour and um Oh, also of note, the gowns of Karth, the women bear one breast because that's clearly very practical. Um, <laughs> like for what? Why? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't know. Let's theorize. Know. <laughs> like uh, for what reason? <laughs> that one, I don't know, breastfeeding. Uh, <laughs> what? And you switch between, like, I don't get it. Is and it like a different one each day? Like what? It'd be horrible. Maybe that I don't know. He doesn't say anything about piercings. See if there was piercings that you want to show it off. There, there would be a reason. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're gonna have one out, why not just have the other out? Maybe they neither? switch. I don't know. It gets like even out the suntan. <laughs> right. They are pale. They probably do need to like even it out a bit. Of course, they could also just even it out by going. The- Topless, topless, I guess. Well. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Sometimes people wear stupid shit just because, for whatever reason, that's the aesthetic of the day. Like high heels are I mean, stupid, right? Like they're stupid. Like they're physically are painful. It distorts your feet. It's just it's stupid, but people like the way it looks. I mean, in the eighties, we wore leg warmers and we weren't <laughs> dancing. <laughs> People this wear scarves with, like, first. sleeveless shirts, so I guess, like, we have no... Yeah, socks with sandals. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we got no room, yeah. But yeah, this would be my question um, for George if I ever got the chance to ask him one question. Why the one titty, George? <laughs> I, I, would, I, would, I, would waste, I would waste that question on this. Oh my god, please have someone record it. Oh my gosh. Patreon exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he would actually, you know, there's so many things he can't answer that he could answer. He could answer it. Exactly. And I feel like he'd be like, I like titties. And he'd be, and he'd be like, what an enjoyable <laughs> original question. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let me bring you into my inner circle. How delightful. <laughs> <laughs> now we've created our own fantasy, haven't we? <laughs> oh God. Um, so Pyatt Pree is giving, you know, he's giving Danny this tour 
And, um, you know, the merchant prince, um, this is going to be fun for me. Zarozan, Zarozan Daxos, I'm going to call him, um, joins in. And they're both basically like, oh, anything you want, you can have. Like, oh, Khaleesi, I'm going to bring you to the House of Undying. It's going to be so awesome. And, you know, Danny's keeping a pretty level head here. And she's like, yeah, you know, I just kind of want the Red Keep in King's Landing. And, you know, she's like not too into the whole warlock thing because she remembers Miri Mazdur and she's just she knows that they're blowing up her ass here about the dragons. And she's, you know, just trying to, like, keep them at, you know, learn what she can. I mean, basically, her people were dying. So, I mean, she wants to, like, get, you know, get everyone taken care of, learn what she can. But she's not she's not really buying what they're selling here at this point, I don't think. I mean, also, she's kind of living with this assumption that uh, the Seven Kingdoms is going to be even grander and more splendid. Like, yeah, I've she's trying not to get. Yeah, she's, gonna, she's trying not to get too <laughs> dazzled by this place because like her her uh, her kingdom is going to be like so much better. But and, yeah, this place sounds freaking amazing. Like the whole like when they're talking about her, like in that pool and. It's, uh... Well, they give her, you know, they give her a whole house and she, and, you know, she's like, oh, it makes Illyrio's place look like a swine herd's hovel. And so it's like for her and all of her Dothraki and there's all these pools and, you know, there's like little fish to like give her a fish petty and stuff. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it sounds like, you know, it sounds pretty great. Um, but then, you know, she thinks of um, Quaith came to her and, you know, it was like, beware, you know, Basically, they're they're trying to get your dragons, and um, you know, Piat and Zaro are just you know like, well, you know, well, we're you know super awesome, everything's gonna be great, and you know, but she's kind of remembering these warnings and remembering what happens, and so she sends off, you know, she finds her blood riders and she sends Ago, I think it's Ago, off to um, ugh. Oh, Ago's gonna like guard them. Like they're gonna have a guard on, so people can't enter their part of this palace. And she sends Ricaro and some of the women off to basically look around the places of Karth that they didn't get a tour. Like, what are they trying to hide from me? And you know, bring women so that we can they can go into the places where only women are allowed. And then she sends off Jora to the docks to see if they can find ships that might have any news. So, you know, it's like okay, this is a pretty good. Um, you know, she's handling this as a leader pretty well. Like she kind of gets that she's in a precarious position. Here's the, you know, here's the moves that she's going to make to secure herself. And she's already thinking of her next move in terms of like finding out what's going on in the world. Hmm. Um, you know, and she kind of thinks like, you know, she thinks like, Oh, Robert Baratheon, you know, he sounds amazing. And, you know, Eddard Stark and his frozen heart, she thinks, and like how, you know, how is she ever going to beat them? You know, if she had Drogo, if she had Drogo, she wouldn't really worry about it, you know, or worry about it as much because, you know, he, he would help her. And, you know, she tries to reassure herself, like, you know, the comet led me to Karth for a purpose. And, you know, I, I'm going to take what I'm going to take what's offered and, and try to be smart enough to avoid you know, it's, avoid these traps and avoid other liars and stuff. Yeah, it's really interesting to kind of hear her internal dialogue about, you know, these people that are the usurpers and kind of how she views them. And then to get that bit with Jorah and like, I think he scoffs at the notion of Ned being oh, yeah. a traitor. And she's like, why? Why well, wouldn't you think that? I about that. Okay. 
no, well, there was actually a little part before that, and this is just for our um, show truthers that I wanted to point out. Um, it's a little quote. The Dothraki sacked cities and plundered kingdoms. They did not rule them. Danny had no wish to reduce King's Landing to a black and ruined full of unquiet ghosts. Mm. She had supped mm. enough on tears. I want to make my kingdom beautiful, to fill it with fat men and pretty maids and laughing children. I want my people to smile when they see me ride by, the way Viserys said they smiled for my father. So, you know, again, that's kind of interesting in terms of this chapter comes immediately after Arya's march into Harrenhal. And, you know, the people on the way are kind of, oh, remember the good old days of, of King Ares. And when you see, like, the reality of what's happening in Westeros with war, and you know what her you know what her goals are and what the small folks goals are like she's not wrong here at all um and you know the way what makes the people happy isn't you know it's not some war god robert baratheon or aries or whoever like busting people up it's like them being able to live a happy life yeah there's no way around it though that's the other uh flip of this is that the thing that she wants to accomplish, the only way she's going to be able to get it is through war. And like, I, I don't think it's an accident either that we kind of get introduction to Heron Hall in the chapter prior to this and kind of yeah. what that, you know, what that f- actually looks like that destruction. And there's, it's, uh, there's no win. The only people that are going to suffer are these people that she wants to have fat and happy dancing in <laughs> her kingdom. Like, you know, a dumb question but you know once they if let's say that robert had ever known that Viserys died like why wouldn't they have offered joffrey up for for danny like that marriage seem would seem to seemingly solve all problems i mean other well, than you know having to be married to joffrey well she doesn't offer anything um in terms of the immediate uh, landholders, right? In the Seven Kingdoms. Yeah. Like she's impoverished, basically, in their eyes. So right. why would they do that? It just neutralize any... any. Tar- I mean, I guess, like, if they're... Conf- I mean, I suppose they must have felt confident enough to not think that there were there was any real Targaryen um, loyalist threat. So... Yeah. And Marjorie would have also accomplished the same thing of, like, taking care of the most prosperous target, you know, potential Targaryen loyalists as far as they know. Yeah. Obviously, the and they, I think, be. and to an extent they'd be correct. Like, I don't think there is this yeah. adamant um, need or want from the people to support a Targaryen or any of their rules to be, to be frank. Like they just kind of, yeah, most the, people yeah, go mean, with the flow and whoever's in power, I guess we're with this now. Um, unless you're, you know, a Lords of certain houses. Um, like yeah. whoever bugs them the least is probably who they are most interested in. Yeah. So, um, so Jorah returns with a ship's captain and it's, um, Kahuro Mo, Kahuro Mo. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. Who's the captain of the cinnamon wind. My favorite ship in all of us, <laughs> in all of, uh, in all of this world. Really? I've been partial and, to the um, sea bitch. No, <laughs> I mean, I do, you know, you got to enjoy the sea bitch, but, um, you know, the cinnamon wind as you know, the cinnamon wind is going to show up many more times in this story. And this is actually the first time we, we see the cinnamon wind and, um, they were coming from old town and they have news and, you know, um, 
He says, I have a gift of news, Dragon Mother Stormborn. I tell you true, Robert Baratheon is dead. And it's so funny to think, like, this is Danny's reaction. Outside her walls, dusk was settling over Karth, but a sun had risen in Danny's heart. Like, she's so happy and relieved. And, you know, she obviously saw Robert as, like, this huge, massive threat. And, like, we as a reader, I don't think we ever really feel about him that way. So it's sort of, it feels weird to, to have, like, his death is like this weight coming off of her. And it's just, it's odd for us as a reader, I think, to feel that way. Mm. Um, well, he did try to assassinate her, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I can get, I can and, get being relieved you know, one of that my favorite, that guy's gone. <laughs> um you know, one of my favorite things in the story is like, of course, there's never like, you know, oh, some say it's a boar. Others say the queen betrayed him or his brother or, you know, Ned Stark killed him. Like, there's always the conflicting stories of what actually happened that are shared. You know, there's never just one story. Like, they share four possibilities at a time. Hmm. Um, and, you know, she thinks of him as this great shadow. And, you know, now it's been lifted. And... <sighs> You know, Jorah tells her that Joffrey, Joffrey sits on the throne, but, you know, Kohuamo tells her, you know, the Lannisters actually rule and you know, Robert's brothers have fled King's Landing because they mean to claim the throne. And, um, you know, and Stark has been seized for treason. And, you know, to your earlier point, um, Lot, you know, Ned Stark, a traitor, Sir Jorah snorted. And it's like, fuck you, Jorah. Like, don't you snort about Ned. And, you know, oh, he would, you know, the long summer will come again before that one would besmirch his precious honor. It's like, <laughs> you know, Jorah can get off his high horse where Ned He's is so bitter. Because let's, again, remember, uh, Jorah was punished for trying to sell yeah, people yeah. into slavery. Yeah, so I mean, Jorah can personal. go to hell. It's personal, yeah. <laughs> so that just kind of pissed me off about, um, about Jorah. Uh, Danny shares that her brother's dead and that, you know, Cal, Cal Drogo killed him and um, you know, Kohiromo is very sympathetic, and you know, Danny's pretty happy to hear that you know the Seven Kingdoms are already fighting amongst themselves, and like this is you know kind of, kind of the you know kind of maybe her in right, and you know she wants to know when the captain's going to return to Westeros, and he's like, well, it's probably going to be a couple of years, and, and she's pretty disappointed, and um, you know she says, you know, when I'm sitting on the throne, come you know come to me. And, um, you know, come to me and I'll give you, you know, a great gift because of the good news you've brought me. And he's like, oh, no, you've already, you know, I've seen your dragons. Like, that's gift enough. Um, so she, you know, she kind of makes, you know, as we find out later, she makes a pretty good impression on him. And, you know, definitely remembers her, remembers seeing the dragon. And obviously, um, you know, given that the Cinnamon Wind is heading with um, Master Marwyn, towards um towards marine um in the book that will never be written uh <laughs> we could expect you know obviously expect to see these guys again and they know of um you know they know from sam what's happening what's happening now in old town um and well obviously actually marwin they know that so they but from sam they know more about the wall and everything so i mean they're coming to her with some really good assets and a lot of knowledge if they can find her so um and obviously, you know, they, they've established a good relationship. So, like, this little ship and its crew are a pretty critical pipeline of, of info and goodwill back and forth. So it's always fun to, to see them pop up in the story again. 
you know, after he leaves, Jorah's kind of like, you know, you shouldn't be telling everyone you're going to be sitting the Iron Throne. And, you know, she's like, Danny's kind of like, you know, let everyone know. Like, they already think that's what I'm going to do. And I think she gets that, you know, this guy, like, obviously, you know, Moe's got kind of loose lips a little bit here. And so he's going to be going on to other places on his route around the JNC and, you know, telling the tales of Danny and her, you know, the, the beautiful Khaleesi and her dragons that everyone's going to hear about. So he's kind of spreading her propaganda. Um, and, you know, she's, she's pretty smart about it. Yeah. I think, I don't know, just thinking about like, you know, you had brought up like, if they had Joffrey and Daenerys kind of have a union to try to, I think what would be more interesting and more likely is thinking about Daenerys marrying into one of the higher households um because as these rumors are spreading and then you know there's actual dragons are now confirmed to be a part of the equation that would be the thing to do if you want to have an army ready to go when you land i don't know just just thinking well and i mean i guess like you know quentin you know quentin martell was sent to go marry her you know and he's the you know, he would have been, you know, been from that house. But yeah, I mean, it's imagine if the Tyrells would have sent, you know, Willis or, you know, can you imagine though, Danny, like for as bitchy as she kind of is about Quentin, like Willis would really have <laughs> idea either. I mean, she kind of has to, like, I think that's the direction the story is going to have to go. She's going to have to marry some, one of these guys. Someone. Yeah. So, you know, Danny's pretty, Danny's pretty happy about this, like, you know, that the Seven Kingdoms are fighting and, um, you know, Jorah's kind of like trying to calm her down a bit. And, you know, she she's thinking, you know, he thinks of me as a child and sometimes and other times as a woman. And he doesn't think of me as his queen, which, I mean, is kind of true in a way for Jorah. And, you know, ultimately he betrays her. And I think that that's part of it. He he doesn't necessarily see her see her that way um and you know she's kind of she's kind of fighting his presumption that this is all going to go to go to shit and you know she's like i'm not you know i'm not my i'm not Viserys. and finally jorah tells her yeah there's more of rhaegar in you but you know even rhaegar was killed and you know she they end they end this chapter on kind of a cheesy quote you know dragons die she stood on her toes to kiss him lightly on an unshaven cheek but so do dragon slayers um, you know, I guess. <laughs> I was like, couldn't take a second pass at that. <laughs> Could have been something better. Uh, and I just, you know, that we, you know, who are I guess our dragon slayers were who Robert and Jamie, huh? <laughs> so, but it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem like like I don't know. I never really thought that Jamie was in that much danger from Danny as he is from you know the others basically, but um. Yeah, she, you know, she's definitely kind of in her element in this chapter and very, you know, this is one of her um, more impressive chapters for the most part. Like, she seems to have her shit together. I can't just help thinking when I usually read Danny's chapters is just like, why don't you just like settle down here? Like, (laughs) it's like, why? I don't know, like, be careful what you wish for and her goal and her ambition is like, I don't know. 
it's, it's all yeah. dreamed up in her head, right? Like, it's just a lot of blind faith she's running on here. I mean, she's super, I mean, she's super ambitious. And, you know, I think there's a theme of entitlement in, in a lot of these younger characters, you know, in John and Theon and in a lot of these characters and in Danny too. I feel like um, Danny, you know, I mean, obviously we have Stannis's great quote, right? About like, I, you know, I had this, but I can't even think of it, but when he's at the wall and you know how Davos reminded him that he had to like, basically he had to get the kingdoms by earning the kingdoms, not because they were meant for him. And I feel like Danny thinks about like, once she's ruling, oh, she's going to be awesome and everything's going to be great. But she doesn't really think about how she's going to earn that trust and, you know, earn that right other than through con- other than through conquest. Mm-hmm. And to your point, Lot, you know, like no one likes, you know, no matter the ultimate outcome, people aren't a big fan of conquest. Yeah. Do we have any questions on this chapter, Devin? Yes, we do. <clears throat> So our first from Buck O'Hare on Discord asks, how disappointing are the seven kingdoms going to be compared to those built up by Viserys? (laughs) Incredibly disappointing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, is she just going to like, well, maybe the Red Keep can be a summer house but I'll spend most of my time in cars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like it'll be, I, Oh God, it would be great to see the reaction to really see her reaction to what to, she's been putting so much time and effort and plotting into, and then to like, see what she's inheriting. If it gets to that point. Yeah, it's just one of those exactly. When again, to your point, lot, like, just stay here <laughs> where you are. So many times throughout the chapters, like, I have that same thing. Just stay here. Yeah, yeah. They've got this great pool. Look at this place. Like, it's a nice fabrics. It's colorful. The fish patties. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> fish patties is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's going in the description. Um... <laughs> um one tit out in fish petties. Okay. Um, Cardinal Girl 75 on Discord asks, um, in this chapter, Jorah, point, Jorah points out that Danny, out to Danny, that just because the great houses in Westeros are fighting against each other doesn't mean that it will be easy for her to conquer them. Even before we learn that this has been Varys' strategy all along for Aegon to take the Iron Throne, how successful do you think Danny would have been at getting alliances to support her? How successful do you think it'll be for Aegon? Which we already kind of touched on a little bit with Danny mm-hmm. as far as marrying into another house. Um, well, so I, I agree mean, that I, I do think, think it think, goes that way. I think Jorah's wrong. I think like it actually makes it way easier for her if there's fighting amongst amongst the various houses because it does open her up to you know it does open her up to an alliance and you know if she has something you know she has her name to offer she has dragons to offer so no i mean i think the fact that she's not fighting a united front or that Egan's not fighting a united front are you know absolutely big advantages for them yeah, it's gonna be she's gonna be a completely desirable option for any any of these well, high lords to wanna Yeah. To, like who wouldn't? Yeah. Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Just Jamie. <laughs> 
Kind of, yeah. I mean, realistically, that's it. <laughs> and that is all the mail. Mm. Well, you guys, we made it through another Danny chapter. I believe there's actually only two more Danny chapters in this book. So Whoa. <laughs> it's yeah, it's light on the Danny. Um, you know, I know that we've sometimes commented on the images. Um, the Clash of Kings illustrated version isn't nearly as good as the Game of Thrones, but it's also not nearly as bad as the Storm of Swords. So um, in this particular chapter, there's a really pretty, there's a really nice, um, ultimately, color illustration of Danny from this chapter where she's got a little um, dragon around her, but, and she's wearing purple, but what's most, I mean, the, probably the interesting thing is she does have like super short choppy hair, you know, cause she you know, did have her hair burn off. So it's pretty book. Um, oh. I would say it's pretty book uh, accurate. So it's just a, you know, again, there aren't that many great illustrations in this book, but this is one of the better ones. So if you do um, have it laying around, you might want to check out this chapter for that. That's cool. But um, other than that, so um, if you'd like to support us, you can find us on Patreon. Uh, if you want to ask questions, you can find us on Tumblr. You can email us at closethedoorand at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Door Podcast. And like, subscribe, um, listen to us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And with that, I am closing the door. Get out. <laughs> <laughs>